Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, you know what? This show was built solely on the premise that the WWE does not, is not the only horse in town. That there is some great wrestling out there. Unfortunately, they don't have the money and the, and the promos to get to you people sometimes. So it's our, our job to kind of wade through the old interweb, wade through all the things, to try and find you some quality wrestling from different parts of the world. We're going to be looking at wrestling that's uh, maybe a little different than you've seen. Maybe it's exactly what you've seen. Maybe it's what you remember. Maybe it's something you've always dreamed of. But we are going to find you some quality wrestling from around the world. Does that sound exciting, Elio? That sounds great. That sounds very exciting. Well, you know what? We always start the show with our rumblings. And this week's rumblings, first of all, it's usually rumors, news, and reports of injury. Well, I'm proud to say, or at least happy to say, as a wrestling fan, there was no injuries of no to report this week. So we do not have to talk about injuries. That makes me feel good. There was so much exciting, cool news out there this week. I decided I'm going to skip the rumors and just go straight into the news. So let's take a look at our rumblings today. First of all, Impact Wrestling has been slated to do some shows in Mexico on January 11th and 12th, which they're going to take for TV because obviously they have to. They have not many other shows going on. But this is kind of exciting. Impact, which is already 
stock full of a bunch of Mexican wrestlers going into a whole new country. Hopefully, this will be a resurgence in talent. MLW this week has announced that they are going to have a super heavyweight attraction. And when I, when I heard that, I was like, what do they mean? So I looked this up. They are facing, they have a guy named Ace Romero who is 400 pounds stepping in the ring with another guy named Barrington Hughes who's 469 pounds. That is a lot of poundage. Wow. I mean, I, I hope they reinforce the ring for that one. I've never seen her seen a heavyweight match uh, of that caliber with two guys that way that much. Well, you know what? I've got to say that is a lot of poundage. Let's hope they reinforce the ring. Let's hope the ropes are strong enough because if any of these two guys decide to climb up there, I, I, I would really hope they don't break their necks just trying to climb up the rope. Anyways, that'll be in uh, Friday, December 14th in Miami. The MLW show is looking to have some great things on it. Sticking with MLW here, Shane Strickland, who you also know from Lucha Underground as Killshot, well, he has been signed to the WWE. He was supposed to make his first appearances in January. However, news has come out that Lucha Underground has some kind of snag in their contract and that the WWE will not be able to pick him up as quick as they thought. This puts him back in maybe possibly weeks or months. Until then, MLW says they'll keep him employed and give him matches until he's ready to head off to WWE. Meanwhile, it makes you wonder what Lucha Underground is up to since they're a show that we don't even know if they're going to have a new season next year. Interesting stuff. Pac! Now, you, some of you guys may not know who Pac is, but definitely you know the name Neville. The man who defied gravity in the WWE. Well, that cruiserweight who walked away from the WWE this year managed to win a match. Well, he's had a few couple matches back, but he won a belt. Now, this is a, a mouthful of a title, but he won the Dragon Gate Open Dream Championship in Tokyo, Japan, defeating Masato Yoshino. And i got to tell you, fans, Pac looking great. We'll talk a little bit more about him for some of the other segments in the show, but great to see Pac come out of retirement finally, or whatever he was doing, seeing him back out there, looking pretty good. Jack Swagger. You remember Jack Swagger back in the days, Elio? Yep, Jack Swagger, yes. Well, Jack Swagger, big boy, was a big wrestler now. He's going to try his hand in MMA. He signed for Bellator. He's going to be doing a match. What do you think, Jack Swagger, big boy? What's he going to look like in the MMA? That, 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 should be, uh, that should be interesting. I've uh, I've seen him do wrestling, but never MMA. It should be interesting to see that. You know what? The uh, last news we have is three signings. Well, one we kind of touched on last week, but we have three new signings to Rick Water. One which just blows me away. You ready for this one, buddy? PCO, Pierre Carl Roulette, formerly of the WWE, like 100 years ago, a full-time contract in ROH. This 51-year-old wrestler is going full-time in Ring of Honor. Crazy. Wow. Jean-Pierre Lafitte and uh, Carl Roulette win half of the Quebecers. He has a pedigree in WWE that is long, uh, but a long time ago. But I've seen uh, some film of the guy. He looks in great shape. I really hope he succeeds. I wonder sometimes when wrestlers kind of give up sometimes too early. Maybe PCO is going to show us that it doesn't matter how old you are. If you have that fighting spirit in you, maybe you can get some good wrestling out of you. Also on the ROH front, Brody King, uh, lesser known star, uh, faked many matches in Pro, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, MLW. Now he is signing into ROH. 
Evil has an interesting look. I like his uh, entrance. Very theatric. Very, very WWE-ish. But you know what? When I first saw this guy and he came in and he's wearing this big robe and he's got the mask and he's got the lasers on his fingers and he's got this big sight. And I was, at first I couldn't take him seriously. I thought, this guy's a joke. But you know what? You're into this gimmick and he is definitely not a guy you laugh at. He, he hits heavy. He's a part of the powerhouses on their team. One of the guys who can stand toe to toe with just about any of the big dudes in New Japan. So he is something. Sonata, though, Sonata, very gifted athletically, has one of the best jumping. Uh, I don't know how you measure that, but apparently he has a standing free jump that is higher than most NBA players. Mm-hmm. He easily laps over people. And I forgot to mention, uh, every time I mention this guy, he has one of the most strangest lock uh, moves in his repertoire. He has what's called the Paradise Lock. I don't know if you've ever seen this move. It's an old move where you roll up a guy like in a ball and he's tied up with his arms and legs. And the only way out is you pretty much have to run and kick him in the 
<laughs> oh, I've never seen that move. They've been there since the beginning of Wrestle Kingdom. Oh my goodness, they're the beginning of wrestling stone, stone yeah. age. I mean, Tagata is closing in on 50. Uh, Nakanishi is over 50 years old. Mm -hmm. um, they still have a lot of uh, step in them, especially Nagata. He's known as Moose, Moose Justice everywhere. Uh, but to be honest, I'm not seeing them as any kind of threat in a, in a, a field full of really strong they're kind of old, they're past their day, and lately I've only seen them really fighting a lot of young lions and having success. I, so far in this tournament, we're nine days in, and they have won zero points. So I don't know if they'll go through the whole tournament with a goose egg, but it wouldn't surprise me. I don't see them being a team anywhere near the finals. Now, I got a team for Elio. I know this is going to make you laugh and giggle a little bit, but let's talk about the best friend. <laughs> the, the best friend. Funny name. Yep. Uh, Trent Beretta, Chuck Taylor, two guys who have cruised along in uh, indie wrestling. Taylor has not made as much of a splash, but now he's starting to make his name a little bit in Ring of Honor. However, Trent Beretta has been a standout in New Japan. Uh, we know him before teaming with uh, Rocky Romero as Rapongi Vice. <coughs> now he finds himself with uh, Chuck Taylor. You know what the funniest part of this team is? What's that? I don't think I've ever seen this before, man. They walk to the ring and they hold hands. <laughs> I've never seen I'm that before. Sure I've never seen that either. I'm not sure what to say to that. I mean, they say they're very hetero and they're very, uh, you know, they're just best friends. And, wow, I, I gotta tell you, I do not hold hands with my best friends. So, <laughs> this, this was a bit of a surprise for me. And the last team I want to look at, I know you know one of these guys rather well, and one of them is a new and upcomer. But they put together a veteran and a young guy. Well, first of all, best friends, they could be a dark horse put them in the middle of the pack, but they have a chance of sneaking in there. I, I see them more being up than on the bottom of the cards. Uh, Togi, Togi Makabe and Toa Hanari. Mm -hmm. This is a, I know you know Makabe very well. Yes. He's a multi-time uh, multi world champion. He's won the G1 a couple times. I think he even won it back-to-back -back once. Uh, he is a great talent. However, he too is getting up there quite a bit in age. Mm -hmm. with Toa, Toa Hanari was one of the young young lions now stepping out and getting a chance to wrestle. Usually Makabe's teamed up with Hanma, but Hanma has suffered yet another concussion this year, and it doesn't look like Hanma really has much more in him for the rest of his career. He's taking a lot of bad injuries. So Hanari facing up with Makabe. Interesting combination, veteran and, and uh, young, but I think this time the veteran's too old and the newcomer's too young. I don't see guys being a threat in this tournament. Now, I wanted to point out to you a couple of teams that for this week is my keep an eye on because they're doing rather well. First of all, Evil and Sonata. I know we just talked about them. They're right at the top of the pack right now with wins. They're doing really great. Mm -hmm. And we also have the Killer Elite Squad, Lance Archer and Davey Boy Smith Jr. Right. These guys are monsters in Japan. I mean, when you're six foot six, six foot seven, you power over people. They are also doing but I'm going to throw in my little pick of the week. They are not going to win this tournament. 
I don't think they're going to get enough team, uh, points to do it. However, they have defeated the Killer Elite Squad, and they have defeated the Gorillas of Destiny, which means they will get a title shot before Wrestle Kingdom. I'm talking about Ken Cozy, Kenzon, and Satoshi Kojima, the leader of the Bread Club. Folks, if you want to know what the Bread Club is, look up Kojima's uh, Twitter account. He talks about it quite a bit. Or if you want to be lazy and want me to tell you, well, send me an email and say, hey, what the heck is the Bread Club? <laughs> Not just going to give that away for free. Now, while this is going on, all these matches have been going on quite a bit. Last week, Helio, there were, I know you didn't get a chance. You were out of town doing some stuff, but there were four whole cards in the last eight days wow. in Japan. That's a lot of wrestling going on. Each of those cards is three to four hours long. So just to cover New Japan this week, if you want to cover it super thoroughly, we went to 32 hours of just New Japan. Opposed to, say, Impact, which gave us less than 15, 20 minutes of good wrestling. Anyhow, anyway, we'll get to them. Um, there's, there is other matches going on, but none of the matches are championship matches, and none of the matches are real. They're mostly six-man, eight-man, ten-man matches. However, a match that stuck out in my mind, and a lot of people's, was old-time rivals Okada and Tanahashi teaming together for the first time ever in their careers, teaming together to take on a team that included their very hated rival, Jay White. Jay White, who turned on Okada, has done nothing but attack Tanahashi and Omega and just about anyone else around him. Jay White has proven himself to be the ultimate jerk. He turned on his stable chaos. Now he's joined the Bullet Club. Where this guy is going next, I don't know, but he is leaving a lot of enemies. And Elio, I would not want to be Jay White when now the rest of uh, New Japan wrestlers catch up. Now, folks, let's move on to Impact point of view. Now, Impact has a lot of wrestlers that I like. Mm -hmm. has a lot of friends that I know that compete for this company. They're based in Canada, which makes me kind of happy. But, wow, man, sometimes this is the hardest part of watch sitting through the direct that they kind of give us now and then. Yelio, last week they did a turkey brawl where they had ten men, uh, like five men versus five men, and the loser had to wear a turkey suit. They spent two hours setting up that match. That was the Eli Drake uh, turkey uh, match. Yeah, Eli Drake is going to be a turkey if he keeps doing these kind of matches. Um, he, it was bad, man. There wasn't even... Okay, there wasn't even top wrestlers in this gravy match. At the end, it, the end... Oh, my Lord. Glenn Gilberti, Disco Inferno, took the loss. Had to dress like a turkey. When you saw him walking in, you knew it was going to be him losing. I mean... Disco yeah, Inferno. I, Disco Inferno. Wow. <laughs> Uh, there's a name that brings me back to WCW days. Yeah, wow. And not even a good wrestler back then. Um, <laughs> I was never a fan of his. Now, last week, like I said, uh, Impact was... It made me very sad because the two weeks before that, we had solid good shows. Then last week was this horrible... You know what they did most of the time, Emilio? Said that this match went maybe ten minutes. They spent the rest of the two hours showing us old, <laughs> crappy footage that we've seen a million times from Impact. It's like, oh, it's a flashback. Now, did they show I, any of Aces and Eight things? No, luckily they didn't show <laughs> that much, but it got to the point that they showed a AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe match. I mean, how old is that? I don't know. I don't turn into new wrestling shows to watch old wrestling matches. I have YouTube. I can do that. I have the, I have the network. I can do that anytime I want. Right. We have the, G, we have the GFW uh, network. Oh, who is going to pay for that? 
they should pay us to watch. But this week's this week's Impact had some interesting matches. Now, do you know the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix? Yes. Now they are a fun team. We've talked about them a bit here. I love seeing them. Pentagon Jr. has the most extreme, different look than I've ever seen any wrestler have. Mm-hmm. Now. Phoenix and him, they make a great team. They took on a very strong team of Rich Swan, formerly WWE, and Willie Mack, one of the top NWA guys. This was a great match. The Phoenix, well, the Lucha Brothers taking the win, setting back Swan and uh, and uh, Willie Mack. But I gotta say, Lucha Brothers always fun. Really look forward to every time I see them on a the card. Yeah, I'm Next I'm a time, fan of these guys. You are. Do, what do you think of uh, how? Uh, Pentagon Jr. looks. I know the first time I saw him, I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah, I, I, I saw the whole theatrics, the masks, the paint, face paint. Who would have ever thought that how effective that is, mixing a mask and face paint? Pretty cool stuff, to be honest. Yeah. Now, uh, moving on, we had Jordan Grace, one of the powerhouse ladies. Met this girl, totally a sweetheart. Someday mm-hmm. we will play her, uh, our time capsule will play the 7 to 10 minute interview I did with her. But uh, she had a rematch with Katie Lee Birchall, and uh, she was paired with uh, the Pirate Paul Birchall. The Pirate Paul Birchall. And you wonder why WWE is <laughs> from right. Who, who, would want, who wouldn't want to see a pirate? <laughs> oh, my God. Anyhow, she, uh, she's been around, bouncing around TNA for quite a while. She's been calling herself Winter for a while. Yep. Um, now, she, she took on Jordan Grace a couple weeks ago, Grace Peter, and then they had a rematch. And Grace Peter again. And you know what? This is one of those rare matches where the loser actually looks better, like, looks better coming out of it. Uh, Katrina's always been a weak wrestler in my mind. Jordan Grace gave her a lot to work with, and mm-hmm. she looked better coming out of it. Both girls looked great. And that's not usually what happens to someone in, in, that aren't the top contenders. You find a lot of women wrestlers who just kind of skate by on looks. Uh, not, not so with Katrina. She actually got to show us she could do something. So that was cool. Um, Taya Valkyrie against Ray Lynn. This was a total mismatch. Valkyrie destroying Raylan. Do you know much about Valkyrie? Have you seen her before? There, I have seen her before, and uh, we've uh, interviewed her on another show. And uh, I haven't seen much of her, but I've what I've seen, uh, she she has a unique look. She's got the whole Viking entrance going on. Now I've spent many years out here in Western Canada, and a lot of times, a lot of wrestlers who train at Landstorm Academy. Mm-hmm. come out of training and, and they'll spend a year or two in the area uh, honing their crafts before moving on back to their homes. Mm-hmm. I've seen Tape of Elk when she first started. I wasn't sure what, she didn't really stand out too much to me. Um, there were a lot of other women wrestlers who I've interviewed and kept contact with and saw a great thing. Valkyrie kind of slipped under the radar and then she went to Mexico and became probably one of the most renowned non-Mexican women wrestlers of all time. First woman of non-Mexican origin to win the women's uh, title belt in AAA. So she's considered one of the best women wrestlers ever at AAA. Kind of cool to see her out here. Um, I know they're gearing up for her to, to fight Tessa Blanchard for the belt. Uh, as much as Valkyrie's impressive now, it's just I don't see Tessa Blanchard losing to her. I think that it's going to stop her momentum pretty soon and that she should count her lucky stars that she's got main matches right now in 
That seventy show, yeah. Uh, I never really saw that. Seen the odd episode, but was never really into it. Okay, well, they they used to do this reoccurring joke where they'd sit around the table and the camera would pan each one of them. Right, I know that. I know about that. Yeah. Yeah, and so you got the idea that they were probably smoking marijuana upstairs, (laughs) hiding out, and telling jokes, right? Uh, The Rascals, this new team in Impact, that's their shtick. They use that as their um, their promos. Oh no. Okay. Uh, the Rascals took them on. They finished the match where they had their opponent down, and then one of the Rascals did a standing uh, shooting star press while his opponent, as he did the flip into it, his opponent pushed him like about in midair, about five or six feet, and he came down onto the onto his opponent. One, it was like the wackiest thing ever. Wow. That I was just about to say, Tommy. Why is Tommy Dreamer still being used? They only bring him out on special occasions like this, and uh, he never really does anything. It's always the same thing. You get the ECW chant from the audience, which I'm getting tired of hearing. Well, Along with the what chant, that's another one I'm getting tired of hearing. Uh, I don't. The what chant is probably the most annoying chant I've yeah. ever heard in my life. Um, there's a new chant that's really annoying me. I don't know if you've seen this thing. I see people saying it, especially in like European matches, um, major league wrestling, and it's happening. Every time the ring announcer comes up and says, today's match will be one fall, and then the crowd all yells out, one fall. <laughs> I, I, I heard that. I don't understand the, ch- the, what, the story behind that. I don't know. If there's a story behind it, fans, please write us, because may- maybe we, maybe me and Helio are too busy looking at wrestling to understand the nonsense of this chant. Explain it to us because we don't get it. Yes, I'd like to know. Now let's get back to Tommy Dreamer. I don't understand why people keep using Tommy Dreamer. You're right. His, his matches are so boring. Uh, I think that money could be well more spent bringing in Frankie Kazarian or, or Scorpio or Sky or even, hey, let's bring in Christopher Daniels. At least he's going to entertain you and make a fun, hard-working match. Right. I'm pretty sure he doesn't cost that much more than, or probably costs the same as Tommy Dreamer. Why would you pay Tommy Dreamer and his kendo stick to make another boring appearance? So over ECW. Sorry, I'm so over ECW. Well, you know what, fans? Before I go into an alcohol rage over uh, over Tommy Dreamer and the rest of the boring ECW, and if I swear one person says one one fall ultimate somewhere on the street, they're going to be getting a punch. I'm going to take a break. I, you know, the, the anger in me is quelling, and I, I, I say, Elio, let's take a break. We get back. We're going to talk a little bit of MLW. We'll talk some Rev Pro, and definitely talk some Ring of Honor. And uh. 
that special interview I talked about last week with Frankie Kazarian. So, folks, we'll be back in a few minutes. All right. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. Listen to the Wrestling POV Podcast. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Hello, this is Miguel Cole from the Wrestling POV Podcast. Wrestling POV and Wrestling POV Global is affiliated with the Collar and Elbow brand. Go to CollarandElbowBrand.com and save yourself 10% by using promo code WPOV. Collar and Elbow has t-shirts, hoodies, sunglasses, and more. And the best part, you're helping out your local indie wrestlers. And you're helping out the best wrestling podcast of all, Wrestling POV and Wrestling POV Global. You don't want to miss out. So save yourself 10% by using promo code WPOV. Oh my goodness! Well, thank you for that great promo code. Who would have thought uh, getting stuff from Color Now would be that easy and that save you that much money? But you know what, folks? It's time for the honor roll. And the honor roll means we are going to look at ROH Wrestling. Now I know that Elio had a lot more chance to look at some ROH stuff this week. We're going to talk a little bit about this week's episode. We're going to talk a little bit about final battle and uh, anything that may pop in our minds. But there are only two things that stuck with me on this week's episode. First of all, Kenny King beating Christopher Daniels. I don't know about you, man. Kenny King, I'm just not digging this dude. I've never been a fan of Kenny King at all. He's like where charisma goes to die. Yeah. I, I just... I don't get it. Uh, no. He seems to try hard, but he just doesn't connect, either as a heel, as a face. I'm just not enjoying what he's about. Nope. Never been now, a fan. This never been a fan. Now, this current storyline with Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels, at the beginning of the year, him and Frankie Kazarian had attacked uh, Joe Koff. Uh, Joe Koff, extremely upset, said, you know what? When the end of the year comes, you, unless, the, unless I'm forced to have to keep you guys, you guys are gone. If you can't win anything big, if you can't show that... You guys are important for ROH, you're gone. So, this week we learned in a vignette that uh, Scorpio Sky and, uh, and uh, Frankie Kazarian, actually, because they had won the belts, they have their... The, the fact that uh, SCU won the belts forces Joe Koff to give them contracts. We see that. But Christopher Daniels has been on nothing but a losing streak. He lost in survival the fittest made it till the end. He has not won a match since, and he did not win against... Kenny, boy, does this guy ever a bore King uh, fight. But now, Christopher Daniels finds he has one last shot. If he doesn't win his match against Marty Skrull at uh, Final Battle, it might be the last we see of Christopher Daniels. I gotta tell you, I think that's a shame. Yeah, I don't want to see him going anywhere else. Um, do you think he has it in him to beat Marty Skrull? I mean, Skrull is a guy who has the craziest... Uh, He's got a great offense that is unmatched by yeah. a lot of people right now. Uh, Murray Skrull's got a great look in his whole wrestling repertoire, but um, and I like Murray Skrull, but I don't want to see him beat to the Daniels. Me neither, me neither. So we know, sorry, we know Final Battle has, we're going to talk about the two best matches because the main event on ROH, uh, well, it could have decided, it could have thrown off the semi-main event. That was when we had the team of uh, SCU putting their belts up against Stuka Jr. and Guerrero Maya Jr. from uh, CMLL. Mm -hmm. These are two big Mexican luchadors coming up from the Mexican City, uh, taking on the ROH World Champions. Had they won, that would have totally upset everything that's set up for Final Battle. They didn't win. But I gotta tell you, man, Elio, what do you think of this? Last week, the Briscoes taking on the Young Bucks. The winning team was supposed to be the get a title shot against whoever won between Stucka, 
Junior Guerrero Junior against uh, SCU. SCU wins. They come out to watch the match. The Briscoes, the Young Bucks, Young Bucks goes to a double disqualification. The SCU comes out and says, you know what? We don't think that's cool. We're not standing for that. So we're going to give both you guys a title shot at the same time. A triple threat match. And then to make it worse, they're going to make it a ladder match. Why on earth would the champions put themselves in a match where they can easily lose those belts without being pinned? Well, first of all, <clears throat> I've never been a fan of triple threat matches when championships are involved. Because I just think, okay. I just think it's a bad idea. Like, champions could lose the belt and not even get pinned. That's That totally seems unfair to the champion. So does that mean SoCal Uncensored, are they just being really arrogant? Or are they being foolish to offer this match? Sounds like a bit of both, like, because, on one hand, because they, they're, they're offering this, they're offering this, uh, championship match, because they think they can beat these, uh, the other two teams, but then at the same time, be foolish, because they don't even have to get pinned to lose it. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think of this, man. Not, not a bright move, in my opinion, but hmm. we'll see how it works out. Hopefully, uh, you know, fans have really been digging what SCU's all about lately. Uh, despite the fact they're kind of jerks, they're the lovable jerks that you want to see win. I kind of, I've always enjoyed these three guys. You know, uh, Christopher Daniels may not be defending the belts right now, but I love Scorpio Sky. Uh, I've met him, had a, you know, I've interviewed him before. I've seen him wrestle. I thought there was a guy who deserves a bigger shot. And then five months later, he joins ROH. Now he's the World Tag Team Champion. Frankie Kazarian. You know what? I met him last week. Dude, <laughs> we have an interview with him. We're going to do today. Awesome. Fresh off the presses. So, yeah, crazy, crazy idea. I'm not sure why a three-way, three-way ladder match. My God, that is so crazy. A ladder match, match. of a ladder match of all of all things. I mean, just climbing up the ladder, grabbing the belts, and they lose. Yeah, you know, like, you know, they have not been teaming a lot. Um, SCU is a fairly new team compared to the other teams. Young Bucks, they've been teaming together for over ten years. They've been in a few ladder matches. The Briscoe brothers have been uh, together for over 10 years. They've been in many ladder matches. I'm not sure if this was a smart, smart move at all by SCU. We'll see how it plays out. But you know, I want your opinion right now on the final battle main event. Jay Lethal putting his belt up against Cody Rhodes. Now, we know it's Cody Rhodes' last day in Ring of Honor. He claims he's going to win the belt and take it with him as a trophy. What do you think of this match and who are you hoping goes... No, I, I think it's a, I think it'd be a bad idea if it's Cody Rhodes' last night for him to win the championship and then just take off unless unless they're swerving us and he they bring him back later on. Yeah, I, I think it's a little irresponsible of Ring of Honor to actually have this match happen. I get that uh, it's a great draw, a lot of people want to see Cody Rhodes, but they risk the chance of losing their belt and having it kind of displayed in other places. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants that. Uh, I think, however, Jay Lethal is one of the most incredible wrestlers that uh, I've seen in a long time. And I think he is going to be... I think it's going to be wonderful. Um, I think I'm going to dig out uh, for next week's episode. I'm going to dig out in the vault. We're going to play a 20-minute interview I did with Jay Lethal next week. The man uh, was exciting, fun. We talked about some great stuff. So it is that old. It's only a couple of years old. It's still relevant with the things he talks about. I'm hoping he beats Cody Rhodes. I've met Cody Rhodes. I think he's a tremendous wrestler, but I think Jay Lethal 
is probably one of the most talented men not working in the WWE today. But you know what? It is time now for the MLW point of view. We're going to look at Major League Wrestling. And I know, Elio, you told me I sent you the matches to watch. You told me we did talk about the matches before coming in here, but you did tell me you found it refreshing and different. What yep. is it that caught your eye about MLW? Just the whole, the whole atmosphere, the style of wrestling that goes on there, and just everything was like completely different from what I'm used to watching every week. Okay. Well, you know what? There was a few segments. We're actually just going to look at one of the matches, and uh, we're going to talk about one of the segments that we saw in there. First of all, I reported this last week that Conan, 175-year-old Conan, will take on... Well, he's no spring chicken either, but low-key for the world title. This is crazy. They had a bit of a, an interview with Conan talking about it. There has got to be something up here. It's a no-disqualification match. Conan has not wrestled in years. I do believe he even has a replaced him. <laughs> what do you read out of this one, Elio? Uh, actually, I'm not really a big fan of Conan, and I'm not a fan of Loki, even from his days in uh, WWE's Cabal. And I, I, I saw I saw I saw what he did in the opening match where he they made it look like he tore off his, the other guy's ear. That was something, eh? Yeah. Uh Key is one of those guys he amazes me. I made fun of him last week. I shouldn't I didn't really mean to make fun of him so much. He's a small man who has a giant voice like this. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Elio, if you get near me in the ring, I will destroy you with my honor and polish your face with my whatever. Um but then the guy's like five foot six or seven. <laughs> um, but Conan, I mean, this I can't think of a world title match that I want to see less than Conan <laughs> facing Loki. Wow. But going on, you know, one of the big things we talked about, and things worked out weirdly, is uh, the main event. Filthy. And boy, look at his shirt. He is filthy. Filthy Tom Lawler taking on Sammy Callahan, who I think they just filthy life Callahan mm-hmm. in a Chicago street fight. Now, Elio, I know that you love Sammy Callahan and you love OVE and everything they represent, mm-hmm. so I want you to talk a bit about this match. I'm sure you're mistaken. <laughs> I'm sure you're mistaken. Oh, I'm not a fan of Sammy Callahan or OVE. Oh, no. Uh, even from uh, his days of Solomon Crow. But um, this match, uh, it was like we went back in uh, in a time machine to '98 when they used to have like all these like crazy matches going on. Not that they don't still do it today, but it had everything you'd expect: garbage cans, tables, um, video tapes, steel wow. steel chairs. It always, it always kills me. Is every time they have one of these matches and somebody grabs a garbage can. And then they dump the garbage can out, and it never looks like the, sh- the stuff that's in there never looks like the stuff that should be at an event like that. It's usually full of some other dumb crap that you're like, oh, this is so fake. I'm sure they put cardboard in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I-, I got a very big kick out of um, Sammy goes under the ring. He pulls out a spike, which is kind of scary in some ways, but very 1990s Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, that one totally up- stuck out. And then, he- and then he brings out a VHS tape. Mm-hmm. Now, Sammy Callahan manages to take that spike, ram it in the Lawler's mouth, which is kind of gross and disgusting. <laughs> and then he smashes the tape. And fans, this is where you're going to have to suspend disbelief. Because he smashes the videotape, and he doesn't use the jagged parts. What he does is he takes the inside tape 
and chokes Mahler with the tape. Now, anyone who's ever dealt with VHS tape knows that is the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Well, how about this? I forgot this part. There was a fan in the audience who had a sign that said, a filthy Tom, please use this sign. And then he took the sign and hit Callahan with a cardboard sign. And he swore Callahan was hit with like a, a uh, butcher's block to the face. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous. But props to Callahan because he did something pretty gross when I think about it. He put, the, uh, he put that uh, sign in Lawler's mouth and then kind of acted like he would rip it out so it was like ripped across his lips. I mean, I'm pretty sure you could escape that, but the thought of that is pretty gross. Wasn't there a part of the match where he was actually chewing the cardboard or something? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he stuck in his mouth and ripped it across. Um, the, hey, there was one even part where Lawler went under the ring and brought out a, like, like a pop can, like a pop, uh, not a can, but like a, like when you go to the movies, they give you all those cups and you put a lid on it. Oh, yeah, okay. He, like, he takes a sip out of it. <laughs> He's been under the ring, and then he throws it in Callahan's face. Uh, yeah, there was parts of this that made me go, man, I am back in WWC's worst. Uh, the end of the match, uh, Dirty Tom win. Now, or Filthy Tom, I guess I should call him. Now, this had some ramifications because Sally Callahan is supposedly the uh, strong arm of Loki's uh, army. And so the only reason he went in against Lawler is because Lawler has the title shot in two weeks coming up. Mm -hmm. And he was supposed to soften up Lawler. Now, we saw at the end, uh, we're going to end this up with this segment with two things we're going to talk about. First of all, we saw at the end of the segment, we knew that uh, Filthy Tom has been injured uh, after, slightly after this match uh, in an MMA match, broke his hand possibly. Uh, they did a segment where Simon Gotch came out. Now, Simon Gotch is supposed to be uh, Lawler's um, tag team partner. Buddy. He says, I'm going to take, take you down and talk to the press. He takes him into this room pushes him in, locks the door, and Lawler finds himself surrounded by all of Loki's mercenaries. I guess this is a good way to write out Lawler being injured, not being able to fight. What did you think of Simon Gotch being, once again, the jerk bad guy we all knew he was? Well, um, that part, I, I might have missed that part, but uh, I know about uh, Simon Gotch. I, I never really was a fan of him, even like as part of the Rod Villains. In English is the one that stood, always stood out to me. Yeah, he, there was something really odd about Simon Gotch. You know, he just looked really ridiculous. He just has that, like, odd look. Like, he came out of the 30s and 40s and somehow entered uh, the 2000s. I think you're giving WWE credit more than writers and more credit than deserve. <laughs> but um, it was a good way to explain Lawler's um, miss out. Uh, another storyline, which we'll probably see in next week's episode, because their episodes tend to happen a week after we report them. Apparently, now, Sammy Callahan is on the outs with Loki. And I don't know who it is yet, but they are going to bring in a mercenary to deal with him. Oh, wait a second. The rumor is it might be uh, LaParc. I don't know if you remember him. He used to be LaParca back in the WWE days. It might be LaParc. So, is that his other calling him LaParc? Well, they call him Hijo de LaParc. Oh, okay. Son of the park. But uh, it's the same guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, interesting. He was always a tough I mean, sure, he danced around and did his chair thing a lot. But back in WWE, WWE, or WCW days, he was one of the few luchadors that I thought could probably mess you up if you got mad at you. 
Now he had an interesting look with that whole the skeleton. Uh, yeah, that whole skeleton. I was like, am I watching an episode of Masters of the Universe? Yep, like you look like Fat Skeletor, as if Skeletor <laughs> put some weight on. You know what? I've been saying some insulting things about OVE, Tommy Callahan, uh, Kenny, Kenny King. There are going to be a few wrestlers who are going to kick my ass if they ever come up here. So I think from now on, when they come to this part of the world, I'm going to introduce myself as Elio Canella. <laughs> and I'm going to save myself from getting beat on. Just saying. <laughs> Let's move on now to Rev Pro BOV. Okay. Now, I know this was your first exposure to Rev Pro. Yes. What did you think overall of it? Now, Rev Pro is a uh, Rev Pro is an uh, interesting guy. Did uh, watch a couple of the matches that uh, you sent me today, and uh, the the wrestling style is uh, again different than uh, what I'm what I'm used to seeing from week to week. All right. But it was it was uh, a breath of, a fresh uh, breath of a breath of fresh air. Excellent. Well, you know what? I want to key in on uh, three people in particular. Mm. Uh, first of all, David Starr, the uh, the Jewish warrior. As I think you know, all the uh, Jewish symbolism on him, and uh, he is kind of a jerky guy who has a lot of bad things to say about people. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm gonna give him something. He's got something about him—a talent and a unique set of moves that I found pretty interesting. He does have that unique look in him. Also, when he when he makes his entrance, he just like sits there on the stage until the announcer finishes saying his name, and then he just like makes his way to the ring. I like uh, when he gets on the mic, he starts arguing with the fans. He starts arguing well, with the, like the Christmas spirit coming upon us. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, when he gets on the mic, starts arguing with the fans, and I I noticed the catchphrase that he has: "Embrace David Starr." I don't think I want to embrace David Starr. <laughs> I don't think I want to embrace him, but I do find him interesting. I'm looking, I've seen his name pop up quite yep. a bit in the last six months in different places. I'm going to keep my eye on this guy. He's currently the Rev Pro Middleweight Champion. Yeah, so, he was so pretty guy, good. So, yeah, well, the, yep. ne the next guy I want to speak about is uh, a guy that I know personally, and I want mm -hmm. to take a close look at, and see what he thought of, of how he looks and how he performs. This is El Fantasmo. El Fantasmo. This guy, this guy was a... Uh, he had a very good match with uh, a kid. I like uh, when they when they did the whole bridging up, oh, yes, and yes. all the chain wrestling on the mats. That was a pretty good match, and I also saw something we don't see in in many matches uh, where they shook hands at the beginning and the end of the match. That was great sportsmanship. What did you think? I know it's kind of rare to see anyone walk the ropes besides uh, the Undertaker. But uh, El Fantasma walked at least half to three quarters of the ring, around the ring before jumping on his opponent for a standing hurricanrana. What did you think of that? Yeah, when I saw that, uh, the Undertaker was uh, the first thing that keep that popped into my head. It's like, wow, I've only ever seen Undertaker do that, but this guy like walked more than uh, Undertaker ever did around the ring. I gotta say, as exciting that is, I always wonder why his opponent just doesn't push him off or pull him off. <laughs> <laughs> That being said, El Phantasmo's a guy that I've enjoyed watching. He's from Vancouver. Mm -hmm. He used to wrestle for Eli Championship Wrestling. He is uh, he is fun. Uh, I've known that guy. I've uh, talked to him many times. He's a pretty cool guy. Really into this whole rave, um, rock, metal stylings. Uh, you see him come out. The music's insane. He's got. Did you catch those cool glasses he had? 
I did. He's got that Bret Hart fake going on. He gave away those glasses to one of the fans. Yeah, those were way cooler than the cheap-ass glasses Brett used to give away. Yeah, definitely. Like, they had, like, lights uh, sparkling, and you had to see them, fans. They, they were something else. But I, w- I want those I glasses. <laughs> I think you would look good in those glasses. <laughs> you pick up a lot of chicks with those things. But looking forward, i got to tell you that uh, El Fantasmo is a guy I've seen develop. It's nice to see him stepping up on a bigger platform. I believe you, this year he won uh, England, well, the British... J-Cup tournament, meaning that he is a, a junior heavyweight who is considered one to be looked at right now. I think there's some great stuff ahead with him. His match with A-Kid was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. A-Kid really needs a better freaking name because A-Kid is ridiculous. But um, El Fantasmal, check him out, fans. He's, he's something to watch. Now, the main event, this is what I'm very excited about. Yeah. Okay, we mentioned this guy's name earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about the man, the, the, the man gravity forgotten. We knew him as Neville. He's back on the independence, calling himself Pac. Pac here, taking on speedball Mike Bailey. And I don't understand why he's speedball, because he wasn't really that fast, and he dressed in a stupid karate thing and did just dump his yeah. He didn't even wear boots. And I always say, if you're not Samoan, and you're not wearing boots, get the hell off my head, <coughs> you're an idiot. But speedball Mike Bailey, one of the most boring karate styles ever. No, no, no. His ass handed to him by Pac. Not a fan of uh, Mike Bailey at all, like, or anyone that has to just use uh, kicks to the legs, kicks to the head, kicks to the midsection. Like, this isn't karate, this is wrestling. If I want to see karate, I'd watch the Karate Kid. So would you say that that speedball Mike Bailey kind of sucks? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so Mike Bailey, if you are listening to this, Elio (laughs) just said you suck. If you want to go over, you come to Toronto, you lay... We've got a chance to talk with Frankie Kazarian, one half of the ROH Tag Team Champions from SoCal U. Frankie, first of all, welcome to Canada. Thanks for having me. I love being in Canada. Have you been to Canada before in Western uh, Canada? I've been uh, all over Canada. So the, uh, the snow wasn't a shock? No, no, no. The snow wasn't a shock. Um, uh, the weather was a little colder than it is in Southern California. A little bit. Uh, Edmonton is the worst town I've ever been in, but to be fair... It's, uh, it's tied for the worst town. It goes SoCal, and then every other town is the worst town I've ever been in. So. But other than that, it was great. Fans were delightful. Uh, met some good folks. Happy to come out here and, uh, 
and entertain, doing what I love to do. You know what, you've been wrestling for quite a while. Uh, lately, you've had such a great resurgence in this tag team that you're in. Um, I find that with you and Scorpio Sky, you guys really seem to have a great chemistry together. What has he brought to you? Uh, he brings, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of athleticism, uh, a very unique style. Uh, Scorp and I have been friends for a long time. We uh, were uh, rivals in 2006, 2007, PWG. We had about a year-long feud, and we had a tremendous chemistry as opponents. So in forming SCU, we knew that uh, we would have good chemistry as partners, both Christopher Daniels and myself with Sky. And he brings so much to the table. He's, um, he's a great dude. He's uh, got tremendous personality, pretend, uh, tremendous potential, uh, and just brings um, that, that extra element to what CD and I brought to the table. And as a group, it's just clicked, and I'm having the time of my life with it. Well, you know what? It's kind of unique to see on ROH, you guys were such, such the villainous team, but it just seems the fans lately just more and more gravitate to just enjoying what you guys are doing. You know, a lot of that, um, most of it is because of being able to be on the Being the Elite show on YouTube and being able to use that as an outlet to, to get our personalities um, over. And uh, if you would have told me, you know, 10 years ago that all they had to do was bury a town and the place would start popping for it, uh, I would have thought you were crazy, but that's kind of what it is. And they really just take into us as a, as a unit and um, I, I'm, I'm humbled by it and I'm honored by it and you know, uh, a lot of people are buying our Worst Town t-shirts. They're on Hot Topic. So we're firing on all cylinders right now, and it's, it's a cool feeling. How do you think uh, the future is going to be for you in the upcoming year? I mean, this year has been obviously a great year for your team. What do you have plans for next year, and what do you hope to have? Well, uh, whatever happens, SEU is sticking together. We are, uh, you know, we've just scratched the surface of what we can do as a tag team, as a six-man team, and as individuals. Um, 2018 was a great year. Maybe, maybe my best year in the 21 years I've been doing this. Uh, certainly probably my most eventful year. And um, 2019 is going to be unreal. And uh, if you thought wrestling was crazy in 2018, 2019, it's going to be um, even wilder. Well, now, I've followed you quite a bit over Impact. That's why I got for, a restraining order. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have noticed, though, ROH really has given you a chance to open up and add a whole new dimension of what you put on the table. I've seen so much more incredible stuff out of you. Were you just waiting for that to burst out? Well, uh, Ring of Honor has been very, very generous in allowing myself and Christopher Daniels a lot of creativity in terms of who we want to wrestle, what kind of matches are going to be, storylines, angles, stuff like that. So when you have that, um, that, uh, that, that creative uh, synergy... It's uh, really conducive to a good working environment, in my opinion. And uh, it's just, uh, it's been beneficial for us. It's been beneficial for the company. Ring of Honor's had, you know, since we got there in 2014, they've had, you know, increases every year in revenue and merchandise and live gates and pay-per-view buys. And, uh, and that's, um, that's in part to all of us uh, wrestlers and all of the guys on the office side of it really working hard and, uh, giving the fans a show that they want to see. One question I'd like to ask is, I know there's this big news in ROH about a bunch of guys leaving, but ROH has had this over the many years. Yeah. 
there's obviously a bunch of great talent out there. Who do you see as the next guys that we should really be watching for on ROH? Who are the guys you think are this going to give the opportunity to rise up and show that they're real stars? Certainly, uh, the first name that comes to mind is Flip Gordon. Um, he's already kind of shown the world what, you know, what he can do. He's a tremendous talent. He's really, his personality's really getting out there, and he's really getting very comfortable. And, uh, and then that guy has a huge future. Uh, certainly, potential uh, world champ material. Um, um, on the other side, of, he's, he's the one guy that stands out to me. Uh, Jeff Cobb, uh, another guy that, you know, has been kind of an indie darling and an internet sensation for some time, but he's uh, now there's a lot more eyeballs on him, and he uh, is very impressive and, in my opinion, is the closest thing that this generation has to a Samoa Joe and uh, incredibly talented, very, very athletic, tremendous upside. Um, he is a guy that I could see uh, carrying that company, um, you know, into the next uh, – into the next decade. Now, do you see yourself getting a chance sometime to do some New Japan stuff? I know a lot of, a lot of ROH wrestlers go over there. I don't know, have you actually done a tour? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2015, Chris Daniels and I competed in the Tag League, which is going on right now. Um, had a great showing, very, very successful tour. Uh, and we've done uh, two of the New Japan shows they do in um, Long Beach. We've done those, and you know, wrestled pretty much everyone on the roster there in the War of the World shows when they bring those guys over there. And it's, yeah, anytime we get to go over there or anytime they bring those guys over and we get to get in the ring with them, uh, obviously uh, the level of talent those guys have is off the charts. So it's, it's good to be in there. The fans love it. Um, and I, I'm happy to go back to Japan um, whenever my uh, card is called. You know what, the last part I just want to end with, uh, just fans want to know a little bit about you. So first of all, Obviously, you're into music. You talk about uh, music a lot. What is the music that you like? I'm always a rock and metal guy. Um, my gateway band into the music that I enjoy was Guns N' Roses. Um, I grew up listening to what my parents were listening to, which was a lot of Rolling Stones and Frank Zappa and uh, Jimi Hendrix and 50s doo-wop stuff and, you know, some outlaw country, Waylon and Willie and stuff like that and Johnny Cash. And I got into Guns N' Roses and through that band, uh, discovered a band called Metallica, which really just turned me on to heavy metal. And through Metallica, discovered Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath and Judas Priest, and um, the list goes on and on. And you know, so then those bands are still my favorite bands to this day: the Panteras, and then you know, and uh, you know, more modern like the Five Finger Death Punch and those type of bands. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's that's my other passion. I play in two bands right now, and uh, my ring music I wrote and recorded and wrote the lyrics and wrote the music and all that so that's another part of my personality that I like to uh, you know express and share with wrestling fans now can you give us uh, some info like how can fans look do you have stuff online certainly yeah uh, my band Gutter Candy um, you can go to uh, guttercandyrules.com that's our website that shows where all of our gigs upcoming gigs are past gigs uh, also Gutter Candy on Twitter and Instagram and my other band that uh, is not as active right now the band that I formed is uh the band that wrote, uh, wrote and performed our entrance music is called Vex Temper, and we're also on Twitter. And uh, uh, we're just recording right now. We're, we're down a member, so we're recording right now. But um, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I'll talk about those bands and talk about my cigars, probably at nauseum. So you'll, you'll, you'll get all the info if you follow me. So we're talking music, we're talking cigars. Any last thing you want fans to know about you that they may not know about you? 
Um, you may not know that I hail from Southern California, and I find it to be the best town in the world. Um, then again, you might know that about me. But uh, hey, you might not know that I've been doing this close to 21 years, and uh, I'm coming off of probably my most successful year in the industry. Um, I'm very, very uh, happy to be one of the guys who uh, has survived and thrived, and a guy that has a foot in the old school and a foot in the new school, and 21 years in can still hang and go have great matches with guys 10, 15 years younger than me. And uh, there's no slowing down in sight. And uh, like I said earlier, 2019 is going to just blow the doors off the industry. Excellent. Well, we want to thank you for taking this time. Last thing, you got some um, things you want to throw out there for yourself, for Frankie Kazarian? Is there places fans can look up stuff, things they can get a hold of you, anything like that? Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitter is Frankie Kazarian. Instagram is Frankie Kazarian Official. And, uh, yeah, anything of relevance or anything I think of relevance, uh, I will put on there. Um, I will also put a lot of... Uh, nonsense and silly stuff but uh follow me along the ride man and uh you know I, I appreciate the the support i met so many people today who said they've been watching me for you know 15 years going back to the early days of tna and you know that means the world to me and uh thanks for coming on the ride with me wow did i tell you that, that was a fun interview Elio? that was a great interview now you know what i had to search through the interweb to find you my friend found you in a dark web cafe talking wrestling to some i don't know if it was russians or something but <laughs> I, what you do in your spare time, that's cool on you. But you know what? I had some fun today. I know you're a little bit nervous because it's your first time on here. But I want to invite you back next week. And this week we managed to not do something we've done every episode except this one. And that's do the face-off, where we take a topic and we present our views on it. And then we have a contrasting view from the other guy. And then we put it out to the fans to decide what they think is the, the better view or the more popular view. Now, Tony, I don't know if we'll see him around the show for a while. I'd be pretty embarrassed losing that. <laughs> but, but he lost. I won. I am a gracious winner. Thank you, fans. I love you all. I don't care what Tony says about you. You guys rock. Um, next week, Elio, I am going to, after the show, I am going to think of a topic. Tomorrow I'm going to email it to you. I'm going to give you six days to mull what you think of that topic. And next week, on next week's episode, fans, you will hear a face-off. The first time between Elio Canella and me, we are going to actually uh, throw down gloves, see where it heads. Fans, it's been a great uh, time. Elio, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Look forward to seeing you next week. And fans, it's been fun. I've been your host, TJ Logan. And uh, tune in next week. We'll have some more hilarity. And uh, just have a great week, people. It's cold out there. <laughs>